that uh, series of Walk With Me is that the Lord calls us to follow Him. And He said, follow me and I will make you. I will make you become fishers of men. And we are all called by God, all of us. And unfortunately, there's a lot of strange thinking. You talk about the call of God, you know. But we are all called by God, all of us. And He calls people according to their value because to Him, all people have the same value. And He calls people who they are. He calls us to follow. He calls us to come with. It's a very simple thing that happens in the Spirit. He just, He calls you, come here, come to me. And there's a call, even with the disciples, you see it, there's a call that goes out when He says to the disciples, follow me, and I will make you. You follow, and I will make. The making process of God. You know, somebody once said, I think it was Ian Bounds when prayer, he said it takes 20 years for a man to make a real message because it takes 20 years for God to make the man. You know, there's a making process that God will take you through so you become, so that it's not just words, it's something that has spiritual unction and power and authority. And that, friends, is the most beautiful journey. And people always think of the call of God as a destination, when I'm this or when I'm that. You are in it now. You know, you are walking with him now. It's not about success or victory or sad times or tragedy or it's you're with him. You know, I saw when my youngest son, when, when something either, how can I say, not when he's in trouble, you know, which he is sometimes, but when he gets afraid, my first son ran straight to me whenever he would get afraid. You know, and sometimes the younger son I saw when he was little, he doesn't do it now, but he got a big fright the one time and he looked at me and he saw the, the fright in my face, you know, because I got a fright, he almost hit his head. So he ran away. And I realized, because he probably thought I was mad at him and I wasn't, I just got a fright. And I think sometimes we do that with the Lord. You know, there are, all the time we should run to him and we run away from him because of what the legalistic and the religious mindset of I'm bad so I need to run into him. He is your strong tower because he calls you. He will continue to call you. He will continue to say, come here, come here. He beckons you further and deeper and further and deeper and further and deeper for the rest of your life. Romans 11:29 says the call of God is irrevocable without repentance, meaning it will continue to come regardless of you. You'll continue to knock all your life. Come, come. And he calls us to follow him. He calls us, uh, there's many times actually that Jesus said, follow me. And you see this, there's a succession. And we went over a little bit last week when Jesus said to Peter twice. He said to Peter, follow me. And Peter did everything. I promise I'll do this. I'll do this. I'll be the best disciple. You know how it is when you get saved and you think, Lord, you, me, and the Holy Spirit, we're going to take the world. And this is like Peter for three years. And then he says, follow me again. And, but it's, he's denied Jesus. He says, Peter, follow me. But actually before he says that, he says, Peter, do you love me? And he says, Lord, you know all things. John 21, you know that I love you. Three times. And then he describes how Peter's gonna die. I mean, imagine that. And then he says, but still follow me. But Peter says, okay. But he follows him. What was he afraid of when he denied the Lord? How he was going to die. And so he follows Jesus. You know, and the call of God will come to people to feed, and it's come to all of us. You may think this is feeding God's people. No, we all follow him. We all feed. You're all feeding someone. The only qualification to feeding is that you have to learn to feed yourself first. 
you have to learn to strengthen yourself in the Lord. That's actually how you start to carry weight in the spirit. So you start to become spiritually strong. If I could be a little vulnerable, often the Lord will speak to me very clearly as I'm a prophetic person, but you know, some people have said to me, gee, you know, like, how did you know that about that person? Like words of knowledge or, and it sounds impressive to others sometimes, unfortunately, that's the way they see it. But it's, it, it doesn't come from prophetic courses or, I mean, that helps. It actually comes from over the years, you carry spiritual weight, you fast for God's people, you love God's people, you hold things up in the spirit when you don't have to be in so-called ministry. It's in your family, you see someone and you fast for them, you hold them up in prayer, you're holding weight. And Jesus said to the disciples, I have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them. You can't, you can't take the weight of it yet. And when you carry that weight, sometimes alone, you know, then something inside of you grows. And so he can tell you things and speak to you about things. It's not about a gift, it's a relationship. Amen? The call to feed. And then he calls us to friendship. And it's not stepping stones, it's all at once. All at once. And the call to friendship for me, and you see it in John 12, he says, anyone take up their cross, anyone who desires to follow me, there's that phrase, must take up their cross. He's talking about dying. And people think about dying to self, dying to the world, dying to, the, they think, oh, it doesn't sound. Friends, it's only because he wants us to die to who we were never meant to be. It's freeing. And the call to friendship is when, when we go to him just for him. Just for him. You go to him for him. Not for what you can get, just for him. Like John on the earth when John was with him. John went to the cross just for him. That's the friend. And there's a friendship, there's a relationship that develops. And I encourage you, it's not, they're just different expressions of the same relationship. But many times Jesus said, follow. And then something comes up in your life and then there's a choice. And he says, do you want to go further with me? Do you want to go further with me? Do you want to go further with me? And sometimes there's a pain in letting something go or putting something down or people are going to misunderstand if I say this and I have no way of coming back and explaining because then I have to dishonor another and will you come further? Yes, Lord. It's not out of fear. It's because I, I wouldn't want to be with anyone else. He knows who you are. He made you. He will continue to make you. He loves you. When everyone else leaves, he'll stay. I mean, that's what it is to follow the Lord. And it's a beautiful relationship, and it's personal. Anyway, I'm getting distracted. So, it's the beckoning of Jesus to go with us. Now, in all the making process of God, if you could, do you understand what I mean by the making of God? You be on the same page there? He makes, he shapes, he forms. What was the central focus of what he taught his disciples for three years? The kingdom. Over and over, the kingdom, the kingdom is like this, the kingdom is like that, my kingdom, my kingdom does this, the kingdom operates like this, again and again, and I said it last week, if a person who's not saved came to the scripture and read just the gospels, just what Jesus has said, just Jesus' words, just what Jesus taught, they would say, he keeps speaking about another place. Over and over, and you'll see it, I'll throw up a few scriptures, Mark 1.1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. 
Then it says, Mark 1.15, Jesus came preaching the kingdom. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand and repent and believe in the gospel. He came preaching the kingdom. Luke 4, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also because for this purpose I have been sent. Acts 1, after he rose from the dead. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up. After through the Holy Spirit he had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Last forty days on earth he speaks about the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. Matthew 24, what did he say when he would return? He said, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. You know, it's the gospel of the kingdom. It's the good news of the, that's good news. Gospel means good news. Kingdom is actually made up of two words, king and dim, dominion. It's the good news of the dominion of a king. That's what he came preaching. See, it's not the gospel of the church, friends. I love the church. Uh, I did some of this last week. If we can grasp, it's such a big difference. It's not the gospel of the church. The church becomes central. Gifted people become the focus, leading to religion producing consumers. Who knows that's true? If salvation becomes central, people say, oh, salvation, the gospel is salvation. Salvation is a part of the kingdom. It's extremely powerful and good, but it's a part. If salvation becomes central as an end, not a means... The destination of the individual becomes the focus. It's a ticket to heaven. <laughs> Lacking in relationship, producing believers with no realized authority. They have authority, they just don't know it. Because where does authority come from? From the relationship. It comes from the relationship, from understanding that you've been adopted and you're part of a family. The gospel of the kingdom places Jesus at the center, why? Because he's the king of that kingdom. Places Jesus at the center, calling people to follow him, which produces transformation. Because he said, you follow and I'll make. You follow, I will make. You follow, I will make. That's why in the gospels, the word kingdom is mentioned 127 times. The word church is mentioned three times. So, can we do a very little quick bit of theology? Yes, actually I shouldn't have asked you because I would have done it anyway. So that was a falsity. But um, we're going to do a very brief little bit about the kingdom, not too much. And then I want to give you some very practical ways to understand the making process of God in your heart. And I trust it's going to help you. So the kingdom, the word kingdom is basilier, I think it is. It's royal power and kingship. The royal power and dignity conferred on Christians in the Messiah's kingdom. This is from the Strongs. And any kingdom is a territory subject to the rule of a king. That's why I say the battle of a kingdom is expansion, which we'll get to. Who knows the Vines Dictionary? Any of you scholars? Wonderful. This is what it says. It's beautiful. It says, the sphere, the kingdom, the, the, the definition of the kingdom, the sphere in which at any given time his rule, that's Christ, is acknowledged. In any given time. That sphere can be your heart. That sphere can be your business, your home, your family, your mind. 
God has not relinquished his sovereignty in the face of rebellion, either demonic or human, demoniac rebellion from the devil or from humanity, but has declared his purpose to establish it. Meantime, he will seek willing obedience. And then he went into Israel, which I deleted, the period of God on the earth with Israel. But then he says, henceforth God calls upon men everywhere without distinction of race or nationality to submit voluntarily to his rule. This is the kingdom now. There's a point of theology which is called kingdom now and kingdom then. What he's talking about here is kingdom now. Kingdom, the kingdom of God coming on the earth now, in this age. And it says, thus the kingdom is said to be a mystery now. And it is, it's called that a few places in the New Testament. That is, it does not come within the range of the natural observation. Jesus said, you cannot say about the kingdom, there it is or there it is. Why? Because it's spiritually discerned. When hereafter, this is the kingdom then, God asserts his rule universally, then the kingdom will be in glory. That is, it will be manifest and seen by all. So the central focus, the central way Jesus came to disciple his disciples, to form them, was he taught them about the kingdom. Why? Because it's what's coming. And right now, in a kingdom now, is the presence of God alongside earthly kingdoms, the unseen realm. So there's an unseen realm that is alongside earthly kingdoms and kings and people, and it's everywhere. But we can't see it. That's why we need faith in this era, because faith is the conviction of things I don't see. I know what's there, I can't see it. But I know it has more authority than what I can see. So I build my life according to that, because my citizenship is in the unseen, not in the seen. And God acts and comes and moves practical situations. People say, how did that happen? Well, I'm not from here. I'm from out of town, way out of town. Hello? The kingdom then is the full realization of God's kingdom when the Lord returns. And let me say, friends, he will come quickly and he will come obviously. There will be no doubt as to what has occurred. None. None. Even for those who do not know him. They will know what's just happened. Jesus has come. And the kingdom becomes manifest. So, some points of the kingdom, then we'll get into some practicality. The kingdom can come. Luke 11, when they said, teach us how to pray, he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the kingdom can come. That means to come near, to draw, to, to draw close to. It can come. Even though it's everywhere, yet it can somehow come closer. It can become realized. When they accused Jesus, they said, you cast out demons by the finger of Beelzebub. That's the devil. He said, well, that's a kingdom divided against itself. Any kingdom divided won't stand. If I cast out demons by the finger of God, that's the Holy Spirit, the kingdom has come upon you. So the kingdom can come in a region. It can come on a person. This is the, the, what the Bible says. And then it also says this. When they uh, asked the Pharisees, Luke 17, it says, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. I'll give you the scripture. When he was asked by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God, they're thinking political. When the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, he said, the kingdom does not come. So we know it can come, but, and we know now how it does not come. It does not come with observation. 
Nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Meaning in your midst, in your life, around you. It's there. And you see, a biblical understanding, a biblical understanding of the kingdom of God will assist in the making process because we have some understanding about what's, what he's doing in my heart and what he's doing in our area. We have some understanding. And so it actually leads to less resistance. Yeah? Because we understand it's actually good. Because he desires to make and shape and form. When we misunderstand the difference between the kingdom of God and the church, and I said this last week, we start to build the church. Jesus said, I'll build the church. You seek first the kingdom and you follow me and I will make you. I will build the church, the called out ones. I will build them. You follow me. And so the church is like a base. I used this example last week. It's like a military base. We had the word, the prophetic word over our church many times when it was planted. You will be a base. You will be a base. And that's like a military. We have a gentleman here from the military. Michael, I'm just pointing him out because he doesn't like it. I'm a fan. That's why. You know, unfortunately, often it seems to be natural for people, even for leaders. It seems to be natural that we start to go and to build the base. I'm going to build the best base with the best coffee with the best gun range, with the best whatever, with the best facilities. And we start focusing all our time on building the base. But when the general comes into town and he is the Lord of hosts, he looks at one point, how many soldiers have you trained? How many are ready? And when, when we forget that, friends, we become distracted with good things. But we forget there's a kingdom. And he says, my kingdom must come. My kingdom must come. And so I need to equip and train. Train people how to work in team. Train people how to follow commands and orders, not of me, of him, when, you can, when it doesn't make sense. It's one of the absolutely essential trainings of any soldier. If you're given orders, follow them, even if it makes no sense because you cannot see what we see. You know, it's like that's what it is to be a friend of God. John 15 says, I no longer call you servants but friends because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. The implication is the friend does. See, when there's a relationship, I don't need to understand. I trust him. I love him. I'm being equipped. When we build the base instead of advance the kingdom, now we need to do things well and I understand that. The trick is that we think if we build the best base, we'll allure people to us instead of taking to people what's in us, the kingdom. Big difference. Hello? Yeah, that's right. Kevin says it's right. Must be right. Isaiah 9 says this, For unto us a child is born, that's his humanity, speaking about Jesus. A son is given, that's his divinity. A child is born, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government, that's the kingdom rule, and of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, that's just fulfilling the promise to David, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time, from when he came, from that time even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. 
Three times the Bible says that in different parts, three times in the whole scripture. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. You see, the kingdom expands, friends, through the, through the expression of authority. Because he's a king. And the kingdom wants to expand and advance and what shall I explain in a minute? Through the expression of authority. It is what the Lord is actually excited about. The zeal of the Lord will do this. We don't understand God has zeal, but apparently he does. I want to be excited about what he's excited about. Yeah? How many of you know sometimes you speak to, if you get the opportunity to speak to very, you know, high powerful people in business or in politics, it's just good to speak to them about what they're interested about. You know, it's not time to tell your story. You speak to them about what they want to talk about. You know, and, and obviously we can come to the Lord with anything. But he's zealous over the increase of his government. Where is his government? Where did it say his government was? The government upon his shoulders. Well, that's very interesting. Because in the kingdom now era, that's his body. That's not his head, that's his body. We are the body of Christ. So where does the government of God rest with people? Huh. With people. In the kingdom then, when it's manifest, it's him. Oh, there's no mistaking it, it's Jesus. Everyone will know. But for now, it's in his body, which is the church. And he says, I'm zealous over expanding my kingdom. And I will use you. I will place my government upon you. I'll place authority within you. I will train you. I will make you. I will equip you. I will love you. Follow me. Come with me. There's in the kingdom now. You guys, you understand what I mean by kingdom now? And this is where I'm just going to get practical for the last 15 minutes or so. Kingdom now, there's a battle for expansion on two fronts. Anytime there's a battle, because what is the wealth of kingdoms? The wealth of kingdoms is in their territory, right? Remember that old song, and I went to the enemy's camp, and I took back what the Lord, it's, it's territory, I t take territory. And there's two fronts, there's two areas where the kingdom of God now, in this age, with you as the ones in authority, where there's two battlefronts, for the expansion of God's kingdom, his ways, his way of thinking, his culture, his life, his authority, his power, his desires. Nothing like the world. There's two fronts where that will take place, in the nations of the world and in your heart, in a human heart. There is a battle on both fronts. For the kingdom to expand out there, first the kingdom needs to expand in here. Yeah? I said last week, the church is the agency through which the kingdom comes. So he will expand his kingdom within your heart. He changed the way you think, changed the way you see children and your spouse and your business and kingdom principles and kingdom finances and everything after the kingdom order, everything. And then you're plugged into eternal resources. You're plugged into eternal life. You've plugged into eternal love. You've plugged into eternal power. You've plugged into eternal authority. But first he said, let me bring my kingdom inside you. And then I'll teach you how to release the kingdom upon others. So how does Jesus make? 
how does Jesus do this? How does he, we said, Jesus says, you follow me, I'll make. How does he do it? This is going to be very practical. One way, he does it by the Spirit of God, by the Holy Spirit. We have to understand that. He does it by the Holy Spirit. Romans 14, verse 16 to 17 says, it says the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's not physical. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in your life and in your heart will teach you the ways and the, the understanding the ways of God's kingdom, the life in God's kingdom. He will expand inside of you. John 14, can we quickly go there? John 14, it should come up behind you so you'll get there before me because I don't have it in front of me. John 14, 12 says this. Actually, I'm gonna go to verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. You know, it struck me out of that text. I've read it a thousand times. But you know him. You know him. You know the Holy Spirit. You know? <laughs> That's what he said to them. You know him. You already know him. But he comes as a comforter. He comes as the helper, the parakletos, the one who comes alongside. But you know him. See, you can know the doctrine of the Holy Spirit and not really know him personally really at all. And by that I mean to know what his ministry is. He has a ministry that he wants to do with you. So if I had to ask, have you received the Holy Spirit? Have you received the Holy Spirit? People would say, well, yeah, because I'm saved. And, and I received the Holy Spirit in my salvation. Absolutely true. But there's more to it. Other people would say, well, yeah, because um, you know, they may use the term filled with the Spirit or... Yeah, because I, I, I speak in tongues and I see it as an evidence of, of some sort that I am filled with the Holy Spirit. But it's still not fully received. You know why? Because when we receive, give you an example, a guest, something the Lord's been showing me over the last year or so, when we receive a guest into our home, you know, we can put them in the guest room and that's beautiful. They're in our home. What if that guest was a king? You have two choices. You can receive your king, the king, as a guest, or you can receive him as a king. If you receive him as a guest, he's your guest. He's a king, but he's your guest. If you receive him as a king, the home is now his. Because he's a king. The Bible says we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, so we receive him. We either add him to our life or he takes it. The choice is up to you. But you're his temple. Your body is his temple. And he is the spirit of God. The spirit of the Lord. The lordship, the spirit of God. All power and authority. How you want to receive him, that's up to you. That's what it means to receive the Holy Spirit. And let him take his place of ministry. He is not fully received until he has taken his place in ministry in your life. And by what I mean by that is that ministry that Jesus said the Holy Spirit would have when he comes. There is a ministry, which I'm going to tell you what it is in a moment. It's very simple. But Jesus said, you know him. So how well do you know the Holy Spirit? You know? People say, well, he's the comforter. 
Because this is the, he will be the one who makes you, the Holy Spirit. He's the comforter. Well, how does he comfort? How? Because I, I, I've heard that all my life. I've grown up with my parents in ministry. The Holy Spirit's the comforter. And my dad obviously knows all this and he's taught this. But like how? Because I, what are the evidences? What are the marks that it's the Holy Spirit? Because otherwise, is it just me? Is it my flesh doing it? Is it my, in my heart? Or is it actually the work of the Holy Spirit inside of me? How do I know? I'll give you an example. If we struggle with loneliness, anxiety, whatever it may be, something very real. And so, you know, we cry out to God, God, take this loneliness, you know. Maybe we're trying to sleep and it's anxiety. You're the comforter. You're the comforter, Holy Spirit. Come. And so it's like we wait for the moment where he comes and dulls the senses maybe just so we can sleep. But, you know, friends, he is not the manipulator of people's feelings. He is the spirit of truth. He will come with truth. Truth. And truth, we have to come to the truth. And the truth is one of the ways he will comfort. But the truth overwhelms the feelings. The truth. And until we come to the truth, it's like we cry out to God and we say, well, he didn't do anything. Because he wants to take over the house. He wants to take over the temple. It's his. It is his. And we need to come to the truth of that. So, how do I know the Holy Spirit? How do I know? Very practical. You guys good still? Wonderful. How do I know the Holy Spirit? I know Him by what He is doing in my life. You know, there are fruits of His ministry. He's given us evidences. The very first thing He will do is He shall testify, John 15 says, He shall testify of Jesus. The very first thing He will do Am I receiving the ministry of the Holy Spirit? Well, he will testify to Christ. Meaning what? He will teach Christ to us. He will teach Jesus to you. He will put a desire and a hunger for Jesus. I've seen people get saved who don't know anything about the Lord, the Scripture, and out of nowhere, they have a desire for Jesus. I want to know Jesus. They don't, I just, I want to be, I want to know Jesus. I want to be around Jesus. I want to be around G- people that talk about Jesus and think about Jesus and teach me about Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit. He's in your heart and he's testifying about the king of a kingdom that is within you. Jesus Christ. And a desire for Jesus comes. <laughs> Who knows what I'm talking about? Like, it just comes. That's the work. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He is going to teach Christ to you. I encourage you to partner with him. That's how he changes your desire. The desire for Jesus overwhelms. And it's it's not something you can do. And it overwhelms all the other things. It just overwhelms them. It's a greater desire. How else do I know the Holy Spirit? I know him because I am not the person I used to be. So simple, so practical. You know, I'm not the father I was last year. I'm not the husband I was three years ago, we'll say. That's a little slower. You know, I'm not the person I was before I got saved. Something changes you. Something changes you. Inside and out. Not outside in. Inside out. 
the kingdom has a battlefront in your heart and it expands within you as you partner with it, as we receive him further and further and further into your life. And it's the glory of God and it changes you. It says he's changing us, taking us from glory to glory. He changes us. I do not know, I cannot get to know the Holy Spirit by what he's doing for you. Thank goodness for what he's doing for you. But I cannot get to know him for what he does in you. It's a personal work. I can see it, but I can't get to know him like that. See, a person might have doctrine, theology, but if the Holy Spirit is not given full access to his temple, people can tell. (laughs) It's just easy to tell. They can have the words, but there's nothing else. How else do I know him? I know him by believing he abides in me. The Holy Spirit has come down to earth, friends. Please hear me. He has come and he is here. He is here. He came, Acts chapter 2, and he's here. And he abides in you and in me. And he wants to minister to you. You know, who of you have ever had a heart to minister to another person? You see the blindness. You see the deception. You see that person is not going to be good for them. Hello, teenagers, right? Or whatever. You see and you're like, you want to minister. You want them to be free, but maybe they have some hard choices. But you want them to be free. The Holy Spirit is that in you. He desires to minister to you. <laughs> the same way. Oh, he wants you to be free. So he will show you truth, because truth sets at liberty. We need the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I know him because he abides in me. We speak, even in our songs, not ours. I mean, we're always amazing. Everyone else's songs. But even in the songs and the language, it's like we say the Holy Spirit's here, but we speak and act and talk and live as if he's somewhere off in the cosmos. Come, come. No, he's here. He's here. He's right here. It's true, thank you, it's true. So how do I know the Holy Spirit? I know him by what he's doing in my life. Secondly, I know the Holy Spirit, very, very important. The Holy Spirit will be everything to us that Jesus was to his disciples when Jesus was on the earth. I'll say it again. The Holy Spirit is to us everything that Jesus was to his disciples when Jesus was here physically. Everything. Jesus said that, and I don't have time to read the scripture, Please go read it. Don't just believe me. Go read it. John 14. Everything. He opened the truth of the Father. The Spirit. That's what Jesus did. The Spirit cries out, Abba, Father. He comforted them. He kept them. He gave them resources. He taught them. He was their teacher. Bible says when He, the Spirit of truth comes, He will teach you all things. He will comfort you. He will teach you. He will resource you. In Luke 9, it says, Jesus gave his disciples power and authority to cure all diseases and to cast out demons. I've always thought, what did that look like? Why does it say that? Because it's what the Holy Spirit does to you. He comes to give power as the kingdom expands. The Holy Spirit, friends, please hear me, is because people are confused about the Holy Spirit. I see it everywhere. They're just confused. I don't, I'm not so sure. He is to you what Jesus was to them. He is the one who makes you. He will be your friend. He will be your comforter. He will be your aid. 
He will be your teacher. Now, the ministry, oh, help me, Lord. The ministry, I'm going to carry on. I'm going to go a little bit over, but it, it won't be long. What is the ministry? Because we, don't, we cannot know the Holy Spirit until we come to know something of his ministry. He has a ministry. Now, what I'm talking about are some of the initial things that the Holy Spirit will do in a person's heart when you follow, when you say, yes, Lord, he will start to do these straight away. He wants to take his place of ministry. So, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and it's in John 14, verse 25 to 26. I'm just, it's actually in four places, but I'll just skip that for time. He is the comforter, but how does he comfort? How does he comfort? Well, the Bible says when the Holy Spirit comes, he will come as a teacher. He will come to teach you. He will come as a teacher. The first way, there's three primary ministries, I'll say, of the Holy Spirit within you, especially right in the beginning, is he will teach you sonship. He will teach you sonship. This is how he comforts. The Bible says it in Galatians 4, because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Romans 8 talks about the spirit of adoption, crying out, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit comforts us by bringing us to a knowledge that we are children of God, sons of God. People say, well, I know that, but that doesn't really comfort me. Then you don't know it. I love you, but you don't know it. Not by experience, anyway. You see, sometimes when the lies come, the lies, who knows what I'm talking about? The lies, the thoughts, the, and it comes. Sometimes you know what you need to do? Honestly, practical. I'm trying to be very practical. You need to stop and say what the Holy Spirit has taught you. I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. He abides in me as the Spirit of the Son. That's what the Bible says. And I am the son of the living God. I am chosen by him. I am adopted by him. I am reborn. I do not belong to you. I am a son of the living God. I am a son of the living God. I have the spirit of sonship. You cannot have me. Friends, that's what you need to do. You know? Because it says crying out. It cries out. The word is to shout aloud. <laughs> I have the Father in heaven. I've said this many times. I have the Father in heaven who stands with me. He has given me the Holy Spirit to remind me, to remind you, devil, to remind you, flesh, that you will not have this mind of mine because I have the mind of Christ. That's what you need to do. So do you believe that God is your Father? Okay, friends, hear me. Then why don't you say it? Not now, not here, on your own. I've heard, yeah, amen, say it. <laughs> when you're struggling, say something. Cry aloud, I have the spirit of the son. I'm a son, I'm reborn. You have no power over me. You have to say it and you will find the thing will run. Two more points, the last, well, second to last. The ministry of the Holy Spirit. He will come as a teacher and he will come to teach you sonship. Secondly, the Holy Spirit has been sent to wage war against your flesh. And I don't mean that in a legalistic way. He has come to wage a war inside of you. It's not against you though. 
He actually comes to take over the battle. You know that you are no match for your flesh, the old nature? You are no match for it. That's not weakness, that's wisdom. You are no match for your flesh. How do you know? How many times? Uh, this time. No, no, this time. This time. Hello? Yeah, no. Mm -mm. It does get easier, I can tell you. But it gets easier because you be, can discern something from far away. Oh, I see that light coming. I, but you still need him to overpower it. And it comes through the same thing. Speak. He comes to wage a war. Why? Galatians says, they walk in the spirit. You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, lust, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. They are contrary to one another. They don't like each other. They don't like each other. So he comes to take over the battle. But friends, not as a spy from heaven. Not as a spy. Someone said that years ago and it set me free. It's not a spy from heaven. Oh, I see that. Because the Bible does say he is the searcher of man's hearts. He doesn't search for the bad and guess what, Father? No, he comes to search for the good so he can bring it out of you because he comes, he's an, it's, it's his name. He comes to comfort. He comes alongside. He comes to aid. He comes to assist. But he comes to wage war inside of you. Why? Because he knows the flesh gives birth to flesh. And flesh is flesh is flesh is flesh is flesh. And he knows that. The flesh desire to kill you, and he loves you. That is his ministry. He will come and put that thing to death. He will. He really, really will. Anyone who says, preachers, I don't care how amazing the man of God, woman of God is, anyone who says there's not a battle at times and their inner man is a liar. Friends, and sometimes it's there. It's just there. And it's that. It's a, he comes to wage war. To kill the thing that wants to kill you. To tell you who you are. He comes to wage war. And sometimes we do the things we shouldn't. We say the things we shouldn't. We, we look at things we shouldn't. We hear things we shouldn't. And then especially, you know, oh, I'm supposed to be a pastor. I'm supposed to be an elder. I'm supposed to be a mother, a father, a CEO. How can I do these things? You know, and we feel strange and unclean. The Bible says that which has overtaken you is not strange. <laughs> it says it's not strange. That's what it says. Because the devil say you everyone else is getting it. Everyone else is growing. Everyone else we all, all of you feel like that. You think it's just you. Everyone else is just getting it. They just mm, they're just wonderful. It's just you. You know, and then we put people on pedestals. I never see that person struggle. No, they struggle. The Bible says nothing that is have not, anything that comes to overtake you is common. Is common, common to all men. Is common. Huh. They've just come to understand what the Spirit's ministry is in their heart, and they don't sell cheap because I was expensive. It cost him his life. I don't sell cheap. I'll just give you the last one. And friends, you've got to speak. Devil, don't tell me I'm unclean. I have the spirit of the Son of God inside of me. I have the spirit of the Son. I'm righteous. I stand as one approved by God. I have his blood. I have authority, man. 
authority. Stop letting him push you around, friends. He has no authority over you whatsoever. Stand. And then lastly, the Spirit of God teaches us how to pray. I'm going to have to end there. Bible says we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit, he knows that we are weak in this area, and he prays and intercedes for us with groanings. We have an intercessor on the earth, the Holy Spirit. We have an intercessor in heaven, Jesus Christ. Friends, he's come to help you. He's literally called the helper. And people say when he comes in your heart and he puts his finger on something, you say, oh, it's just religious. No, it's going to kill you. So he says, let's deal with this. I love you. Let his ministry come into you. Receive the Holy Spirit. And you begin to advance the kingdom of God inside of you. And God is making you. He's making you. So that when he sends you, because you now know the kingdom, you know the kingdom in your finances, in your parents, in your heart. You know the kingdom and you know the king. You know the Holy Spirit. So that when you go out and he sends you and you speak of the gospel of the kingdom, you know the kingdom because it's inside you and expanded inside you. So you know. That is how he makes. Amen. Why don't we stand?